This is Shine On, the Health and Happiness Show, and Ella's Leash Production. Heard as a podcast around the world, but heard first on radio stations 100.7 WHUD-FM and Real Country 920, 1260, and 1420 AM, all in New York's Hudson Valley. Shine On, bringing you healers and dreamers and people who want to make life richer. It's your time to shine on. Happy Mother's Day weekend, one and all. Blessings to all the moms in your world. I hope this is a lucky time for you. We're going to speak to author Janice Kaplan, who can help us make some luck. I spoke to the psychologist Martin Seligman, who's very well known as sort of the the founder of positive psychology. And he said that if he were looking for a lucky person, the number one trait that he would look for would be optimism. Because if you're optimistic, if you're looking at things from a positive perspective, then you're going to be able to see opportunities. You're not going to be scared to try things. You're going to see things and say, you know what, I'm going to try that. What's the worst? that can happen, I'm going to jump on it. People who are pessimistic, who are anxious, who are scared, tend not to take opportunities. And they look very unlucky because they're making themselves unlucky. They're not seeing the things that are right in front of them. Ah, positivity increases your luck. Very good to know. That's coming up. Coming up on June 3rd, we're going to have the first meeting face-to-face of the Shine On Book Club. We're reading the book, The Abundance Project by Derek Rydahl. He was the guest on last week's show, so you can catch that podcast at kcky.co, and listen in, and then get the book, and you're in. We'll also talk about it in the private Facebook group, A Circle of Women, so I hope to see you there. Today, we welcome back Lori Hodgson, a Facebook friend of mine. We share a love of pugs and family. Lori is a mom in California who broke away from Scientology, and she is now disconnected from her kids. That's what they call it, disconnection. She's back speaking out against Scientology's method of breaking up families after a long, quiet break. We met Lori near Mother's Day two years ago when she was interviewed for a piece on 2020. And then when she watched it, she was shocked to see her kids were on the show speaking out against her. That caused Lori to take a pause. I was on 2020, which also aired on Good Morning America. And I never knew my children were also going to be shown on the same clip that I was on. And when I saw them and the things they were saying, like my daughter saying I had a vendetta more against her church of Scientology rather than being her mom, I was like, what? I mean, it's like I have a vendetta against this connection, and I want to be her mom and Jeremy's mom so bad that that's why I'm speaking out and fighting for my kids. And then my son said I was lying and going to the media, and I wrote a blog post after that, just said, if I'm lying, let me know. I I would love to talk about it. So I just, after I did the show with you, I think I saw them on television Friday night, and we did our show two years ago on Monday, right after that. And um, that was the last show I could do until just recently, and December I did one. I just sat down, Casey. I got so depressed. I thought, I just can't, I don't have the strength to do it. Right. I, I just, uh, but I can't, uh, at the same time, I couldn't go back to Scientology. I, I mean, I just can't after what has happened. I just was in a little, you know, shell. I just, you know, I even went to work at a grocery store just to keep my mind off my children. And it all changed when my mom had her a knee replacement in November. For some reason, being at the hospital and remembering the times that I was at the hospital with my knee replacement and my children, you know, being recruited and them taking away from me, I just, I got the strength back. And I'm like, I have to finish my book. But prior to that, this last summer, I tried to reach out to Scientology. 
You did. Yes, and so when you leave Scientology, the oh, and you are declared a suppressive person because I spoke out about what happened with my children. Mm-hmm. They declare me a really bad person. No one in Scientology is allowed to talk to me except for one person. Who? That person is called the International Justice Chief. His name is Mike Ellis, and he's based out of Florida, I think. Mm-hmm. I got his number, and I called, and the secretary would answer. She said, I'll give you his call. I said, I want to talk to him about my children. I want to work out some kind of an agreement so I can have my kids back in my life. I'm willing to work with you guys. And I called multiple times. Then she said, you have to email him. I emailed him. I didn't get a response. I called again. Well, we got your email, but there was no... Scientology uses the word data, information. Mm -hmm. There's no data in the letter. I said to Mike Ellis, my name is Lori Hodgson, and I am the mother of Jeremy Leake and Jessica Davitt. I have been disconnected from my two children for seven years. I'm reaching out to you because I was told you are the only person I can talk to in Scientology. I want to make an agreement that is good for my children and I so we can be a family again. I can do good roads, good weather with my children. What's that mean? I'll explain that in just a sec. Uh, I said, I am fine that they do their Scientology religion. I just want to be their mom. Thank you, Lori Hodgson. Well, that's straight to the point. Good roads, good weather is um, a term in Scientology they use when you're trying to keep your relationship with family members or friends that are critical of Scientology. So when I was first in Scientology at 13, my father, my real father, had a problem with it. He did not like Scientology. He read things in the Time magazine, and he gave me the article. Well, when you're a Scientologist, you're told you can't read anything unless you bring it into the church first. So I brought it in, and they said, you need to handle your dad to stop being critical, or you won't be able to see him anymore. And I'm like, what? I mean, this is when it all started, and I was like, so that's where the mind control starts. It's like, okay, he, you can't look at those sides. So I had to drill over and over again how I'm going to talk to my dad and stepmom and get them to stop being critical of Scientology. And I was able to do it. I just said, you know, uh, to my stepmom, she, she was she's Catholic, and I said, so I don't talk bad about your religion, so can you please respect my religion? So they never did. They, they were not critical. I stayed in Scientology. So I agreed. I tried to tell this Mike Ellis person that I would do that with my kids. Right. Because I went back to my baptized religion. I'm not an active Lutheran, but I'm, I'm, I'm not considered a Scientologist anymore. Right. I don't believe in it anymore. So I wanted to do that with my children since they let me do that with my father. And what did Mike so, Ellis say? And the secretary said, we did get you, the administrator got your letter, and Mike Ellis, he never takes phone calls. So I got a letter back from the International Justice Chief, but it's from his secretary, dated August 23rd, 2017. Dear Lori, thank you for your letter. If you want to get in good standing with the church, you can do the A to E steps. Let me know if you need assistance. So basically they're saying if you want to get in good stead with the church, you have to join the religion again? Yes, and the A to E steps. If you want to get back with communicating with a a family member that's in Scientology or a friend, the only way is to do the A to E steps. 
And basically, yes, you have to go back in and do Scientology. You have to do the counseling, which I call security checking. It's like a lie detector, and you have to answer all their questions. Who have you talked to? What have you said? You know, you have to rat out all your friends that are ex-Scientologists. You have to pay lots of money for this. Then you have to retrain everything in Scientology from the beginning to where you're at. And then you also have to do many, many hours of amends to Scientology for speaking out. Okay, so let's say, for the sake of your kids, you did all this. Let's just say, you know, you took a year or whatever. Oh, no, it would probably take a couple years. So say you (laughs) took a couple years and you did your A to E steps and you got cleared to be back in the good graces of Scientology. Do you think your kids would just welcome you back? Is that how it works? I don't know. You don't know. All all I know is I could do all of that and still not have my kids. Right. But, But, Casey, the thing I have to do is I have to do a public announcement that I have lied about everything that I'm telling the truth about. And for the love of my children, I can't do that. I'm not lying. I wish this was a nightmare. But I I can't go back into an organization that that what they've done to my kids and how they break up not only my family, but thousands of families out there are broken up because a person leaves because they don't like what's going on. It's absolutely a cult. And I think more and more people know that now since Leah Remini has been so active speaking out about it. I think she had many episodes and described her situation with Scientology, which is very much like yours. Yes. And um, Leah and Mike Render are making a huge difference. I mean, she's going to get she's getting ready to do her third season called the Scientology and the Aftermath. Now, it's amazing to me that your children, they're grown now. You know, they're not kids anymore, right? How old are they? Jeremy's going to turn 25 in June, and Jessica's going to turn 28 in August. 28 and 25. Yeah. It's amazing to me that these young people are on the planet today, and they are not aware of what Scientology really is. I mean, it's it's it, mind-boggling to me. Well, I went through it. You're not, you're programmed not to look at both sides. My son, when we were getting ready to just go over this and how he was uh, pulling away from me, I said, just read a couple family stories on disconnections. Just look at this. Mom, I can't look at that. I was told it's going to mess my head up. And what are you going to do with your life, Mom? What are you going to do with your your life if you don't do Scientology? I'm really worried about you. And what does he think is going to happen to you? Someone who breaks away of Scientology, what does a true Scientologist think of that? That you're going to be damned to hell or something? That you're going to, they call it going down the dwindling spiral. (laughs) Literally. That you just crash bottom. You just hit the bottom. Oh, and he thinks that's what's going to happen to you without this force. Yes. All right. And what does his life look like? How much time does he spend in this Scientology world? Do they have him busy every minute of the day? Both my children are not in the C organization anymore. They're called public Scientologists. So they go to the Austin organization. It's a place where they take classes and and counseling. I don't know how, how involved. I do know they both have regular jobs outside of Scientology and do their classes. And, and counseling in the evening or on the weekend. Yeah. But I don't get much information. But I did want to tell you I wrote back again to the IJC. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I just said, thank you for your communication. I am continuing on with my baptized Lutheran religion, and I will honor my daughter Jessica and my son Jeremy's Scientology religion and would like the same respect back for mine. 
I can do good roads, good weather, so that we can be a family again. Please let me know so we can work this out. So after that letter on September 7th, no message back. So I wrote my kids a postcard thinking that they'll probably read a postcard. They might not open a letter, but the postcard might work. And I just said, so I have tried to work with the International Justice Chief. They won't return my calls or my letters anymore. I have no one to talk to. Can you please call your mom so we can work out this? And I respect that you do Scientology. That's fine. I just want to be your mom. Yeah. And I never got a call. And so in November, I just decided I got to do my book. I got to start speaking out because being quiet for a year and a half, because my son said, my mom always goes to the media and she, he, he was clearly upset. So not only was I broken down, I couldn't speak out. I didn't thinking, well, maybe that would help. Right. Maybe that will help me. And maybe reaching out to this IJ, the international justice chief, and seeing that I'm really willing to go down there and work something out would help. Yeah. Reaching out to my kids again. Maybe that would help. I, Casey, I had tried everything. All right. Well, you did. You have tried everything. Now you have tried everything. When you saw that speaking out was uh, was hurting your son, you remained quiet. And then when you saw that remaining quiet and trying to work within the system wouldn't help you either, now you're speaking out again through your book. You're in California. Your kids are in Texas. Yes. The last time I tried to see my son, I went to Texas four years ago on Mother's Day. Right. Now, you also sent them a postcard so you know where they live? Yes. My daughter has a preschool, and she works out of her home. Your daughter has I a have preschool? No idea. Yeah, but I have no idea if they receive it. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if, if their mail gets intercepted. I send them presents, Christmas, uh, uh, birthday, um, not every year, but I have sent them, probably they could fill up a half a garage wow. <laughs> full of presents. I mean, they know I love them. They know I'm here. And here's what I don't understand, too. I mean, if this truly is a loving, compassionate, kind religion, and if you walked away from it, wouldn't they do everything they could to get you back? Wouldn't they say, Mom, I can't let you do this. You need to stay with me. Wouldn't they try to convince you to stay rather than just cut you off? Well, they, they, Jeremy did a few times when I saw him in person. He said, you know how to fix this. You know how to fix this is a heck of a lot different than I'm concerned for your soul. Right. They just say, you know how to fix this, meaning I need to do the A to E steps. The A to E steps. Okay. And there's no, it's all black and white. There's no gray area. There's no way to work out any other, it's not like you have, there's no other way. They'll let me work it out. Right. So these young people, they're living in Texas near Austin. Do they see each other? I I think so. I, I don't get a lot of information. Right. I'm, I'm, they pretty have me cut off on blocks on their Facebook, uh, on my son's Instagram. I, I only get information if a, a friend will send me a picture. Or, you know, I wish I had closer <laughs> ties to find out more, right. but I, I don't. Right, right, right. So the only way you could really get information is if, like, you have someone pose as their friend on social yes. media. Right. And then and report back to you. Yeah, but the Scientology really watches them who their friends are and you know they had to block all my family all my friends so that they didn't just lose me they lost all the family on my side their wow. grandpa their grandma everyone but so that's why i decided well if i write my book i think they've been told a lot of lies and i think if they read it it will it will wake them up to see what i've gone through to fight for them and and what also scientology did to their mom and to them and they, they lived it with me they lived you know, it with I, you. They lived it with you and still chose it over you. Right. And, and you know, I really like this. I came across this saying, uh, I think it was yesterday, and what the mind doesn't remember, the heart never forgets. Yeah. 
And it's like they're told so many lies that their mind is probably just so... I mean, they're probably, I don't know if they're angry at me or they're afraid. I, I can't talk to them, so I have no idea. But their heart is not going to forget the love I have for them right. and the love they had for me. That's there forever. That is there forever. What the mind doesn't remember, the heart never forgets. Lori Hodgson, whose book is called A Mother's Heartbreak, How Scientology Destroyed My Family. Jessica and Jeremy, does your heart remember... Is there a little bit of your mind that's starting to doubt what you've been told? Call your mother. More after this. The Amazon's rainforest is being cut down so fast that by 2030, 55% of it could be completely wiped out. The Earth's forest can't speak up when they need help, but we can. Be the voice for those who have no voice. Visit worldwildlife.org. Reiki is the world's most popular form of energy healing. Now you have an opportunity to study Reiki from one of the world's leading Reiki masters. Brett Bevel is an internationally published author and works with some of Hollywood's elite, endorsed by Kariana Naba from Dancing with the Stars. Reiki master Brett Bevel is offering a first and second degree Reiki training the weekend of June 29th through July 1st at Omega Institute in Rhinebeck. And if you already have Reiki training, Brett and several leading Reiki authors are offering the Power of Reiki Conference at Omega Institute, June 1st through 3rd. There you can learn new techniques to deepen your Reiki practice. Learn more about Brett at brettbevel.com and learn more about these transformational Reiki workshops at eomega.org. That's the Power of Reiki Conference, June 1st through 3rd, and the Reiki Training Weekend, June 29th through July 1st. Find more at brettbevel.com. That's brettbevel.com. Hi, it's Casey, wishing you luck. Janice Kaplan can help you create some. I wrote this book with a co-author, Barnaby Marsh, who is an academic, and um, we decided to look at luck as a new field of science. Uh, we, we too often think of luck as something that's just random, right, that just falls down from the sky. But the truth is that luck turns out to be something that you can control, that you can have a really big influence on. Uh, Barnaby uh, has an appointment at Princeton at the Institute for Advanced Study, so we set up what we called his luck lab there, and uh, we tried to come up with the principles that cross all boundaries that are true, whether you're looking to be lucky in love or in life or in your career. But by the way, the book doesn't read like science at all. It's fun and entertaining and uh, meant to be just a, a good read and an inspirational uh, perk up that give you some, some good tips for, for feeling luckier in life. All right. So when you're doing the research, what kind of people do you talk to about creating luck? Well, I spoke to all sorts of people, lots of psychologists and academics and researchers of all types. All I just spoke to people who have been what we consider lucky, right, who look like they've been successful, uh, business people, entrepreneurs, celebrities, athletes. By talking to so many of them, getting their stories, you start to be able to see some of the themes of what makes people lucky and how they have made that luck, even though it sometimes looks like it's just been, uh, been accidental or by chance. All right. Well, give us some tips. How can we help make our own luck? We looked at luck and decided that it has three strands to it. Uh, the first is what we just talked about, random chance. So let's let's put that aside for a minute and talk about the other two. One of the really important parts of luck is talent. By that, I don't mean that you have to be Meryl Streep. Talent includes an ability to recognize opportunities, to take chances, to see the possibilities that are around you. The third strand is hard work, and hard work is just hard work. 
But both of those elements, the talent and the hard work, are really things that you can determine that are under your control. When, when you have those, you don't have to worry so much about the other one. Or, as often happens, something comes along that looks like it was just random chance, but through your talent and hard work, you had put all of the pieces in place so that when that unexpected event came along, you could take advantage of it. Do you have to be a positive person to make your own luck? You know, um, great question because positivity and optimism are really, really important. I spoke to the psychologist Martin Seligman, who's very well known as sort of the, the founder of positive psychology. And he said that if he were looking for a lucky person, the number one trait that he would look for would be optimism. Because if you're optimistic, if you're looking at things from a positive perspective, then you're going to be able to see opportunities. You're not going to be scared to try things. You're going to see things and say, you know what? I'm going to try that. What's the worst that can happen? I'm going to jump on it. People who are pessimistic, who are anxious, who are scared, tend not to take opportunities. And they look very unlucky because they're making themselves unlucky. They're not seeing the things that are right in front of them. All right. Lots of moms and dads tuned in, and they want to know how they can help their kids feel or be luckier. Well, I think there are so many things that we can do to help kids of any age. I, I tell the story in, in the book of being at a softball game with, with a group of little girls. And at some point, the girls in the outfield got bored and they decided they were going to go look for four-leaf clovers. And they all went off looking for four-leaf clovers. And then most of them lost interest. But one little girl stuck with it. And she just kept looking for those four-leaf clovers. And she was not going to quit until she found her four-leaf clover. You know, you have to go through a lot of three-leaf clovers before you get to that four-leaf clover. And sure enough, she found it. And when she did, she called out that she had it. And all her friends came running back. And of course, what were they saying? Oh, you're so lucky. You're so lucky. How did you find that? Well, guess how she found it. She found it by persistence and teaching that to our kids, letting our kids know that, you know, the more at-bats you have on something, the more likely you are to be successful. It gives them the, the opportunity to realize that, yeah, everything doesn't happen the first time. You're not always successful the first time. But if you know what you want, if you know you're looking for for that four-leaf clover, and, and you're going to keep looking until you find it, there's a really good chance that you'll get it. Beautiful. Now, how about other people? Can I can I hang around with lucky people or stay away from unlucky people? <laughs> other people do make luck for you. Luck it very much is other people. But it's really interesting because we tend to think that our closest friends or our family members are going to be the people who make luck for us. And that's not usually the case. So sociologists call we talk about a second circle of people that we know, and they refer to it as your weak ties. Uh, they talk about strengths of weak ties, a phrase which I love. Weak ties are those people who you know much more casually, but they're outside your immediate circle. So they probably know of opportunities that you don't. They know of people that you don't. And they're much more likely to be able to bring you something new that looks lucky. So you very much want to uh, cultivate those weak ties and use those because they very much can help you look lucky. Ooh, so, you know, Facebook can help you be lucky then. Well, it can in a certain way, but you need those face-to-face contacts also. It's Think of it this way. A lot of people meet somebody to date uh, online or on Facebook or, or on websites, but nobody ever got married online. You actually have to take it to that next step and meet the person face-to-face. And I think that's true for making luck in other ways also. You actually have to meet the person, uh, have, the, have the direct connection. So certainly... You use Facebook, 
confused websites in order to connect, find the people who, who, you're, who, who you might want to get to know, but you have to put yourself out there and, and actually make the connection. It's a beautiful green book. It's called How Luck Happens. We're talking to Janice Kaplan, a New York Times bestselling author of The Gratitude Diaries, and now How Luck Happens. Did you have any lucky breaks while you were putting this book together? The really interesting thing about lucky breaks is that we tend to think of them as these big cataclysmic events that are going to change our lives, right? And that's rarely the case. You know, you think of you think of a lottery winner. You think, wow, that's that's just the great luck that we all want. Lotteries are a terrible example of making luck. Um, first of all, it's just nothing you can control. But second of all, if you look at the people who actually win the lotteries, a couple of years later, something like 90% of them are either broke or unhappy. So when you're talking about a lucky break, what you really are looking for is the small opportunity that you can take, that you can make into something much bigger. I love the example that somebody gave me of the doubling penny. If somebody offers you a penny that doubles every day and you can get the value of it at the end of the month, are you going to take it? Well, you're not going to be too excited about that. It's a penny, right? At the end of the month, that doubling penny is going to be worth $10 million. So look for those little advantages. They become bigger and bigger and bigger, and those are the the lucky breaks that you want to take. The book is called How Luck Happens, and uh, it's available on Amazon or Barnes & Noble or your favorite local bookstore. And uh, you can find out more about me at my website, which is just JaniceKaplan.com, and we have a HowLuckHappens.com website also with uh, lots more stories and information in it, too. That's Janice Kaplan. Look for the big green book called How Luck Happens. Our thought for the day is from Emily Dickinson, who said, Luck is not chance, it's toil. Fortune's expensive smile is earned. Have a lucky week. You've been listening to Shine On, the health and happiness show for your entertainment only. Heard Sunday mornings on 100.7 WHUD and on Real Country's 920, 1260 and 1420 AM, all in New York's Hudson Valley. Subscribe to Shine On on iTunes and SoundCloud and catch a show anytime at Casey.co. That's K-A-C-E-Y dot C-O. Shine On.